Welcome back to the Whole Person Podcast. I am your host, Evan Herman. And today I have a newer friend of mine, Eric Nevins, on the show with us today. And we're going to just be talking about what it means as a man to live life with more intentionality and to live more on purpose instead of feeling like we're not reaching our full potential. So Eric, welcome to the show. How are you? Hey, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Good, man. Well, I met you at Podcast Movement about a month ago or so, and we connected and you've really helped me in kind of re-gearing and shaping some of the future episodes that will be rolling out. And so one of the things that we talked about was this identity and this purpose crisis that men have and their need to live life on purpose and live out intentionally. And you and I both have done, you've gone through seminary and I've done, um, you got my theological degree from Oral Roberts University. And so one of the things that I just wanted to talk about with both of our backgrounds is the biblical view of what it means to live intentionally and live with a purpose as a man. So go ahead and kick us off. Okay. Well, where do you want to start? So there's all, there's all kinds of places we could start. Um, I think for me the you know everything goes back to Jesus right so and his kind of view of the kingdom of god and what that looks like um which is so i get, we can well we may have to massage us a little bit to get to to where we are today but when we talk about living with intentionality i mean we can it's pretty easy to see the way that the ways that he interacts with other people and how sometimes he inter- interacts with people who we might otherwise avoid, right? Uh, or we might we might uh, think are very very successful. Uh, he has a different kind of view of them. So, uh, I so it's interesting to to kind of it's a big subject, but I would go. I'll probably start us there. Like where you, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, you know, for me, I've often looked at success in the past as money, as wealth, as status, stature. And the more I've become an adult and not had those positionings that I've wanted in life, the more I've also realized that success in Christianity often looks like failure to the world. Yeah, which is one of the issues that I think some people are having with uh, the American evangelical church at the moment, right? Because success in a mega church apparently appears to me to be the same as it is in the world, right? Lots of, lots of numbers, lots of people. Um, and th- there's a place for that. Jesus drew large numbers as well, but it just seems to be more about building, you know, whatever this church is doing than building one's own kingdom. Yeah, than his kingdom. And so that that is absolutely an interesting aspect. You know, as an evangelical myself, because I am, one of the aspects in Christendom is this view, uh, especially with the evangelical community, this view between God wants you to prosper and then also where we have the ability to suffer for Christ mm-hmm. or to go through pain and suffering. And I, th- and I feel like a lot of 
my personal struggles have come at conflicts with those two messages. Like where? Where does that conflict the most? For me, where I feel like it's conflicted the most in the past is this idea of wanting to be uber successful financially and how God's supposed to bless everything I do. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, not even being able to buy my own groceries and I need other people to help me buy that. Like that was four years of my life yeah. when I couldn't even put food on the table and my in-laws were consistently buying groceries for us because we just didn't have enough money. And there's this concept of God, where are you? And I'm doing everything I can. Now what? And so when my identity and my purpose is wrapped up in what I can provide and what I can do, then for me, I lose that sense of value. I lose that sense of identity. And it actually hinders who I believe God has called me to be because my self-worth is derived from what I'm able to produce. And then therefore, because my identity has been crushed in that scenario, then I lose purpose. Mm -hmm. I lose tenacity to continue to move forward. But at the same time, in, in, in the good aspect is that I also know that God's calling us forth. Yes, there are times and hardships in life, but I also believe that God does not want me to get stuck in a victim mindset and that we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. And so there's this tug of war of the soul. Ooh, that's a good book title. I'm going to write that down. (laughs) All right. So there's this tug of war of the soul going on between trying to live out the best possible life, but yet being content and striving but being at ease and those two worlds intersect and how do we live them both? And I feel like out of that process, that's where a lot of men feel stuck and that's where I've been stuck. Yeah. So this is one reason why when I, when I talked at the workshop at podcast movement, I talked about how there is a a way like you have to show up, right? You have to do the work. Um, I love Stephen Pressfield. He has a book called Do the Work. The War of Art is fantastic for just that little uh, kick in the pants that I need sometimes. I try to read it once a year. Uh, and that's what he says. Like, you got to show up. You got to you gotta actually, you know, he's a writer. So he talks about writers have to show up every day and write and just do the thing. Um, otherwise, you're not a writer if you're not writing, right? But. So I think as as Christians, whether you're podcasting or whether you're doing ministry or whatever your job is uh, or your family even, you have to show up and you have to do the work. But here's the thing. You don't get to control the results, right? That just isn't uh, – it, it generally works the way we expect like physics to work, but it's not like that, right? Like if you do the right things, you should get certain results but you're dealing with people. And so you don't always get the same, the same results. And so you have to let God handle the, the results. Otherwise it's, um, you know, you, we can get very frustrating, right? So in this process of me doing my part and then trusting God with the results, what do we do when we don't get the results that we want? Uh, Well, I think you have to pray. Right. So you, you have to have, and, and I, by that, I don't mean 
sit down with a laundry list of things that you want God to do that you can do that. And that's helpful, but I mean, you need to listen and you need to ask him. That's one of the things I think we see, we certainly see Jesus do it, but we also see God's people do this throughout the, the centuries in scripture asking him the question, well, should I go up? Should we go? You know, these people are coming to war against us. Should, should we meet them? And sometimes God says, no, don't worry about it. And then that army gets wiped out or he says, yeah, go. And then they, they go and they somehow have this miraculous victory, even though they were, you know, well outnumbered or whatever, listening to what God wants you to do. Um, and maybe he says, and maybe, so maybe he says, do it a little differently or do this tweak or do, do that or maybe he just sometimes he's just quiet and then you have to trust that okay you're going to keep going on the way that uh you you are and and you know keep trusting the process so what you're saying is by the process is handing over the results but then choosing to I guess the the correct term would be spirit-led in what you're doing. And so, obviously, I don't have to be spirit-led to be a father. Well, I take that back. You have to be spirit-led to be a father and a husband and those things. But to just show up daily, you don't need to be spirit-led to do that. So where does this intersection of just showing up daily, but then being spirit led and thriving come into play? Well, so that's a hard question to answer because it, it should be in everything, right? It should, it should be all the time. So that's one reason I think certainly some of the practices I had to go to school to learn some of the practices that I, that I often use. Um, that's why I talk about listening an awful lot. One, you know, when I was a kid, uh, prayer really was basically what we call intercessory prayer, right? Where you're just asking God, Hey, Lord, do this, do that. Um, you know, we would love if you provide for this person, whatever it is. And I had to, I went to, it wasn't until, well, maybe college some, but even not until I went to seminary. I sometimes say that I went to college to learn how to read the Bible because I got a degree in biblical studies and I went to seminary to learn how to pray uh, because that's where I did a lot more spiritual formation and had a lot more exposure to a lot of the different traditions that are part of the, the broader stream of Christianity. Um, But learning to do some of those things in a way that listens. So I talk sometimes about like Divina, which is a way of just reading and meditating on scripture, but also listening, not trying to get something out of it, not trying to figure out, um, you know, all of the nuance and the, you know, the languages and and all those things like making a huge application in my life based on the tense of a verb. It's not doing that. It's just sitting and listening. Okay. So I talk about this because you asked a question about, well, how, Where's the intersection of this? And it's really, I think, cultivating a sense of listening to the Holy Spirit in everything so that when you have, and this is the hardest thing for me to do, I'm still learning how to do it better, but so that when you have moments of, um, let's say, conflict in your marriage, 
the best thing you can do is to just have a little bit of space, right? For yourself between the conversation and your identity and what's being, you know, being said. So, you know, if you can do that, then maybe you can look at your partner in a way for what they're really saying. And you can also have this inner sense of God, what is actually happening here? What is, what is it that I need to be aware of? Am I wrong? Am I, am I needing to come at this with repentance or whatever it is? So I think it's everywhere. And so whether it's even in your, in your work, I mean, the Lord doesn't, he's with us all the time. Right. So I'm sure you have this with real estate clients, right. Where you, you have to ask the question and you have to pray a little bit and see, and see if God directs you with, to what is these people need. Yeah. So you're familiar with the parable of the talents. And for those of you that might not be, there's this story in the Bible where a master gives three servants a variety of, of money. And then he goes off on a journey and then comes back to collect and see what those servants have done. And the first two servants did well and got a return on the money. But the third one buried it in the sand. And then when the master came back, dug it up and gave it to the master. And the master is furious because that person didn't do anything with their talents. And then mm-hmm. after calling upon this servant, this servant replies like this in Matthew, um, I believe it's 25 verse 24. He also, who had received one talent, came forward saying, Master, I know you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow, and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here's yours. But the master answered him, you wicked, slothful servant. What's interesting is, what this servant said, I know you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid. What's interesting is that this servant realized that this individual had a way of reaping reward and benefit where he did not specifically so. However, in this scenario, when the master called the servant a foolish servant, that was the bad thing. The, the, the bad person in this was the servant because he did nothing with his talents. But that, that passage interests me because how do you gather where you didn't sow? What does that look like? Because we're often taught as Christians, you know, like we go to work, we show up, we put in the work, we get the reward. He is benefiting from things that he hasn't even done. So for us in our life, in the identity of purpose, how do we move from God, what do I do, to receiving rewards and blessings from areas where we haven't sowed. 
I guess, where does life become easy, so to say? Well, that's a good question. And I wish I had the answer to that. I don't know if life ever does get easy. Right. Even it doesn't, it doesn't matter how much money you have, right? Even people with lots of money still have problems, still have issues. So, uh, which is why they say money can't buy happiness and you have to actually cultivate contentment and happiness within your own spirit. And that, that comes, I think obviously from, from the Lord, but your question is, it's a, it's an interesting one here. I think how I take it because most of us interpret the master, right. To be the father, to be, to be God. So I would interpret that as look, God, everything is his already. Right. So he, so he, you know, reaps all things. Cause there it's all, it's all his to begin with. I, I don't know if I would, go that far. I think the the point there though is that the servant was unwilling to take any kind of risk or to rise to the occasion of what he'd been given. And that absolutely is true. It's, this is part of I think where we get our Protestant work ethic, right? The to show up and work hard and do do all the things because uh, if you do, then you'll be rewarded. And the reality is that's true by and large, right? But it's also not a promise all the time, right? Yeah. You, you don't always uh, get the thing that you were after uh, just because you, you did the work. And sometimes you have to be open to other possibilities or even failure in order to eventually be successful. So let's take this conversation one step further in this direction because we're really close to to bringing in something beautiful here. The work that those servants did who had done well and created increase and then the servant who didn't, like you said, everything belonged to the master. Even the results belonged to the master. Mm-hmm. That's right. What's unique is that after the results took place, the master then turned around and then blessed the wise servants with their earnings. And so when we look at this in a biblical perspective and purpose for our life is that we don't work unto ourselves. We work unto the master and the results are his. Right. But that doesn't mean we, so this, I just think this is one of those tensions in life. And I guess that's kind of what we're talking about. Cause I don't think that means that we, we don't show up. Right. Or that we right. don't, we don't do the thing, which is the problem with that, with that one servant. Uh, we, we still have to make our podcast episodes. So I talked about this. Um, in that talk, I pray before every podcast episode uh, that we'll we'll do our part, right? We will show up, we will talk, we will edit, we we will share, we'll do all the things that we're supposed to do, and then we leave the results to the Lord, and we just say, okay, you know, all eight billion people on the planet or so, and I ask Him to put that episode in the right earbuds at the right time uh, for the right people. So, and that's all I can do. Right. All I can do is get it is get it out there. But I think my show has been 
pretty successful. It's it's up there. Um, not certainly. I'm not making Joe Rogan money, Evan. That's the problem. But it's it's as far as downloads, people are listening to it, and that's all I can ask for, right? That's that's what I can. That's what I wanted, and I think I've been able to say okay. So as an example, I think that's a good example of showing up, doing the thing, and then trusting God for. Uh, the results and accepting it, enjoying it. You know, if uh, there were lots of times when it didn't seem like it was growing or it wasn't going anywhere and I'd be like, okay. Um, But then you make tweaks and you keep committing to growth in order to get to where you want to be. In the terms of personal responsibility, these servants had to go make investments. Right. What we don't know in the story is what investments they made or their skill set to handle such investments. And so what interests me through this is in our own lives, if we are the servants, how do we make the wisest investment through our lives as possible? And I think that goes back to going towards our God-given gifts and abilities, understanding how he created us our wiring, not that the way we are is permanent forever, but understanding that, you know, where we're at and how we can operate and what we can offer to the world is what God requires of us. Mm -hmm. And out of that, we will find purpose, we'll find meaning. And to, to even further that, I think, you know, Simon Sinek says, what's your why? You know, if you don't know your your why, it makes it much harder. So when the yeah. Israelites left Egypt, their why was, we don't want to be in slavery anymore. Well, their why originally wasn't big enough because once they got out of slavery, then what did they do? They didn't know what to do with themselves. And so I think in terms of purpose and living a life according to God, I think that we need to understand how he's made us, how he's gifted us. And then out of that, live intentional with those things. Because I think living living life by using our gifts and our per- driven towards a purpose equals fulfillment. And I think that's what's lacking is a sense of fulfillment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I so I really think there's one thing that we have to talk about too in relation to that. And that's the problem that the wicked servant actually had, right? His issue was what? He was he says to the master, I knew who you were, and I was afraid. Yeah. Right? It was fear. And I think it's really fear. What what keeps us from that sense of fulfillment is fear to take that step into whatever the thing is, right? So I'm sure you experienced this when you started your podcast too. It took me two years to start my show because I was afraid that it wouldn't be any good and nobody would listen to it and that I would take a risk and receive a lot of criticism because of it, right? Or worse, receive nothing, right? Just nobody would ever, would ever care about it. That was my fear. Um, it took so me it took, five years, just so you know. Okay, there you go. See, that's even even longer. Yeah, exactly. So I had the idea in 2014. I started I took some baby steps in 2015 and did some interviews even. And then 
2016, I, I put it out finally. And so, but that, and now it's like, it's no big deal, right? I will hop on a call. I'll do a podcast. I'll do whatever anytime because I know how to do it, but you have to get over that fear and you got to decide to, to do it anyway. Um, and I think that's probably the thing that keeps us from fulfillment, right? When we have that, I don't know how you feel. I know that when I worked, I call it bank jail because I used to go to a six by six cell every day voluntarily. And I would let somebody else tell me when to get up and somebody else tell me when to, you know, eat lunch and whatever, um, which is okay. If that's your, if that's, you know, a good job is a, is a good job. And I understand that, but I was miserable because I didn't have that sense of purpose. I'd gone to seminary thinking I'd be a pastor. And then here I was working at this bank, uh, at bank jail. And I was afraid that my life wouldn't amount to anything, that it wouldn't have mattered, that all this, I mean, but seminary was one of the hardest seasons of my entire life. I worked full-time or nearly full-time, but we had a young family. I tried to do some ministry to get a little experience, right? And then I was in school uh, pretty much full-time as well that whole time. And so it was really hard. And I thought, maybe what if that, what if I did all that for no reason? Right. Cause now here I am working at the bank. Um, and that was, that was tough, but there was no purpose to it. There was no purpose for me to be in the bank. Maybe God had some, had a purpose. Maybe he didn't. I don't, I still don't really know. I kind of understand the financial world a little bit, but that's, you know, I don't know. They're not sure that's doing me a lot of good right now, but that's, uh, so who knows? Maybe I'll never know. Right. Did it draw you closer to God? Uh, I felt really, I was really angry for, for a long time about the fact that I had done all that work and then ended up here. Now, in fairness, I graduated during the recession. And so that was the worst possible time to have graduated. Some people in my class who are way up in the class than me uh, and more talented, I would say, and more concerned about ministry. Um, they also had a hard time finding jobs for years because they just didn't exist. So it wasn't really, that's the thing it took me a long time to figure out is that it wasn't actually about me. It was actually, and I was really blessed to actually have a full-time job instead of some of my friends compared to some of my friends who were working, you know, other kinds of jobs um, because the ministry jobs weren't there. But so then I, that's, that's the thing, right? So I can look back at it now and go, Actually, there was a purpose for me to be there because I was able to provide for my family. We had health insurance. You know, we had health insurance the entire time through seminary because I worked a full-time job. And a lot of my friends were on you know, Medicaid or, or whatever, uh, whatever the Colorado, I forget what the Colorado version of that is, to, to pay for that, right? And we didn't have to do that. So uh, I think part of it is perspective, right? And understanding and trusting the Lord, even even in those seasons when you're like, well, I don't understand. I don't know what's going on here. You know, I, I can definitely relate to your story because I also got a degree in theology and then didn't get a church job. Went in, actually had like 21 jobs in like three or four years. Mm, wow. A lot of part-time, a lot of seasonal, just trying to make ends meet. And then I've had like one church job that lasted a year. And wow. just because theologically we didn't align that um, you know, I couldn't progress any further. So I left. 
And so when I look at my life and I say, well, what was the purpose of that? You know, I just spent $100,000 on this degree that I'm not using. But yet at the same time, it has strengthened and deepened my relationship with God. And that in and of itself is an offering to him. And so when I look at that and how it's used for the rest of my life, because of that, it affects everything I do moving forward. And so in terms of our story, in terms of what we go through as individuals, when we've gone through hard seasons, I think sometimes like, man, this season was for for nothing. There was no fruit. There was no value. It was just hardship. But I think what happens is that creates a part of our future self that informs on how we live life in the future, thus allowing us to show up differently in the world. It shapes who we are. And that in and of itself is fruit. Mm -hmm. And so my question to you is, as people who are called to be salt and light of the earth, as men who are called to show up in our families and in relationships and in the workplace, how do we take our hardships and offer that to God to use so that it can be fruitful? Yeah. Well, the good news is, yeah, the good news is that the Lord always uses those things. And so this is one of the, one of the things that really drove me to start my show the way that I did uh, is to talk about the dark night of the soul. So um, when I was growing up, the testimony was my life was terrible. Then I met Jesus and now my life is great. Right. That was kind of yeah. the way we told it. And that's awesome. Except for all the other things that happen in life, because it doesn't always finish that way. Right. There's more to the story. God's people have known this for millennia. You, you don't really have to go much further than the Psalms to figure that out, right? Read, read David. He also is all about going through those seasons and he, and he had those moments. Well, the question is, what, what do you do with it, right? How do we handle those things? How do we, when we feel like we don't have purpose? Um, you have to just, it's unfortunately, it's one of those things you have to go through. You don't, you can't, um, you know, go around the spiritual desert, right? It doesn't, it doesn't work that way. You can decide not to go in, I guess, but then you're stuck. Right. And so if you wade through it and you, and you, you go through, um, I was on a call one time and Laura forehand, who's a, a acquaintance of mine. She said that the desert can be a very beautiful place, right? But you have to look for the beauty. And so as long as you, you go through that with an eye toward, watching where God is creating beauty and allowing him to point those things out to you. So there's a lot of, um, you know, he'll, he'll take identities away from you, things that you thought were essential. He'll give you new identities and tell you who you really are. And that is where the real spiritual gold is. When you, when you receive those things, you can then move forward in who you are, uh, who he's made you to be. I call that finding yourself in Christ. And I think it's really powerful. Um, and I think that's really the journey that we're, we're all on at some level just depends on whether or not we're going to embrace it. So good. Eric Nevins. Thank you so much for coming onto the show. Tell us a little bit about your podcast before you go. 
Yeah. Well, thanks for having me. I want to say that. And I appreciate your thoughtfulness and ability to just dive into these issues. Um, my show is called Halfway There. It's found anywhere that you find um, you know, podcasts. So you can go go get it. And if you wanted to talk to me or talk about starting a podcast or starting, um, you know, or dive into these issues for yourself, the website is ericnevins.com and just hit that contact button and I'd love to talk to you. Awesome. Well, Eric, I'm going to pray us out and then uh, we'll talk to you later. Okay. All right. God, thank you for this time that we got to spend together. Lord, I just lift up our listener to you, Lord. Pray that their hearts and minds will be encouraged through this process of listening to the show, that whatever deceit is in their lives, speaking untruthful things about who their identity is and what they have been called to do in Christ. I just pray that those lies be revealed to them and that they start seeing what is true and who you've called them to be and how you've called them to move forward with purpose in their life. So God, I thank you for all that you're doing in our lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.